Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 13. Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 13. We are continuing on from where we left off last week with the parable of the sower. Now, last week we were introduced to the parable of the sower, but we didn't really look into the meaning of the parable as much as we did talk about the meaning of parables in general and kind of the reason why Jesus used parables and uh, the reason why some of the people that Jesus spoke to missed the parables. Uh, Jesus spoke in parables, I, I believe, for a couple of reasons. One is to refer to things and reveal things in a way that we could relate to, things that we understood, the things that he said, uh, Jesus back then to those people when it came to farming and things like that and even to us today are, are, are simple illustrations that we can connect to because they are things that we do. And so he used parables to make things easier for people to explain, but he also used parables in a way to, to kind of hide the kingdom. Now, not that Jesus didn't want people to enter into the kingdom, but it kind of separated those who were really going to seek the Lord and those who were not going to seek the Lord. Now, the parables were not really, at first, at first hearing, easy for the people who heard them uh, for them to understand and make those connections. The, the way that they were able to understand the parables was that Jesus explained them to them. The ones who had come to Jesus and said, you know, what does all this mean? Explain this to us. Jesus began to explain and talk about parables a little bit in the verses we covered last week. And then he proceeds in the verses today to give those who were seeking an answer the explanation to this parable, to explain to them what the parable means and how this, how this illustration of a, of a farmer sowing seed, how that applies to us in a spiritual way. Now, it applied to Jesus' hearers uh, back then whenever he was explaining this parable to them, and this parable will apply to us today just as well. So, uh, we will pray and then we will get started. Father God, we come to you this morning, I pray that you would hide me behind the cross, dear Lord, that you would strengthen me to, to say the words that you want me to say, God, that are going to bring glory to you. I pray that these words today will point us to Jesus Christ. God, maybe there are some in this room that have heard your word time and time again, God, but they just haven't listened to it. They haven't done what it tells them to do, dear Lord. They haven't trusted in Jesus. God, I pray today that if there is one in this room that, they would, that their heart would just be broken. God, that you would get through to them, that right now, in this moment, dear Lord, that you would start convicting them if you hadn't already, that you would help them to hear your word, dear Lord, that you would help them to see the need for Jesus in their lives, dear Lord, for forgiveness of sin. So God, I pray that you just help me to preach and teach in a way that's going to bring glory to you. I pray that you would humble me this morning, dear Lord. Help me just to, uh, to, 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 to be ready to preach and teach in a way that's going, to, that's going to help us to understand your word. And let the Holy Spirit speak to our heart this morning as we study these texts. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Jesus had, had pointed out last week in the last few verses that we read that there were some who, who, who were listening and listening and they weren't, they weren't hearing, they weren't understanding, they weren't perceiving uh, what they were hearing. And, and, and to those, they were the ones who weren't really seeking to get an answer. They weren't really seeking the Lord to understand what the Lord was going to say. 
And so that group missed Jesus. Otherwise, Jesus said, as we, as we looked in this passage, and we also looked in Luke last week, the parallel version of it, uh, Jesus said, look, if they would look at these things and hear these things, if they would seek me, uh, they would come to me and I would reveal the answer to them and they would understand and they would turn around and they would be forgiven and they would be saved. They would enter into the kingdom of God. But there are some who simply, after hearing the word of God, do not enter into the kingdom of God because they don't take the word in. Now, after Jesus talking about, look, you can be forgiven if you seek me, if you hear my words, even if you don't understand them, if you come to me, I'll explain them to, me, to you, I'll reveal them to you, and I will help you to see the way, I'll help you to see the light, so you don't stump your toes, so to speak. Uh, that is, you don't end up in sin. And so Jesus is desiring for people when they hear him speak to, to see that he's saying something much deeper than talking about planting some seeds. He's wanting them to see that he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. Although some, upon hearing Jesus' word, just simply do not care enough about his words to seek him. While others did care enough to seek him. And that's the ones that Jesus is addressing today and starting in verse 13. In verse 13, Then he said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any of the parables? Now he's asking them a question there, and I don't think he's taking a jab at them, saying, are you guys just idiots? Are you stupid? Why, how could you not understand this? I don't think that that's what Jesus is doing then. I think he's asking a rhetorical question that he is about to answer in the response that he is about to have. Don't you understand this parable? Well, no, they don't understand the parable. Jesus said, then how will you understand any of the parables? Now that's a good question. If they don't understand this parable, which is really simple once you hear the explanation, then how are they going to understand any parable? Well, here's the answer. Jesus is going to tell them. That's how they're going to understand the parables. That's how they understand this one. And this is how they understand the parables that are to come. Jesus speaks to them in parables, the scripture says, and he didn't tell them anything that wasn't in a parable. And the reason they knew what the parables meant is because Jesus told them. How are we to understand the parables? How are we to understand God's Word? How are we to know what it means? How are we to know how to apply it to our life? Very simply, Jesus tells us how. We, we understand God's Word by reading God's Word, by seeing what Jesus said, how He teaches us. They were going to be able to understand this parable and the parables to come because Jesus was going to give them the answers. Now, praise the Lord, we have the answers too. Because we have God's Word, where many of the things that Jesus said are recorded for us. And so we have these illustrations that apply to us, that speak to us, and how are we supposed to get the answer? Because I know that if you've ever read the Bible before, or at least I would venture to say, that probably everybody in here has come across something and you said, hmm, I don't get that. That doesn't make sense to me. I just don't understand that. And what do we do? Well, hopefully, we pray to the Lord and say, All right, Lord, I'm reading your word, but I just don't get this. I don't get what this means, or I don't, get, I don't understand how to apply it to my life. I just can't wrap my head around it. Now, there are some things that maybe you've been questioning for years, and God still hasn't uh, given you the answer that you need yet. There are things in my life that I still kind of scratch my head on that I'm not quite sure what the Scripture means in those areas. But there are other things that I used to not know what they meant, and God has revealed them to me through the rest of His Word. I say, ah, oh, that's what that means. This other scripture answered the question I had from this scripture I've been reading. Now, if you've read the Bible much, there are probably some others of you who have had a similar experience. That aha moment. 
Now, there's something to be said about those aha moments when you read Scripture. That's why it's important for us, I believe, to read and study Scripture on our own. Now, it's great if we, if we come and we listen to a, to a pastor. Maybe you've got somebody on the radio you like or a favorite Sunday school teacher. You may have a favorite commentary you like or a favorite Bible teacher that you hear or, or, or have gone to listen to before. And those things are wonderful. Praise the Lord. We have those things. But there's something to be said for us studying the Word ourselves and digging in and coming to the conclusion through the Holy Spirit's guidance and through the Word of God that we are able to connect those dots together because it sticks with us. Uh, when we read a commentary and somebody else says, this is what this means, well, they may or may not be right, uh, but, but it doesn't really cause our brain to work a lot. But when our brain is the one doing the work and we're seeking the Lord, praying, saying, God, help me to find the answer in your word. And we're reading the word and in the process of trying to figure out what we need to figure out, we also are exposed to lots of other things about God's word that may cause other questions for us to dig through. And it's this cycle that continues that draws us into God's word more and more to help us to seek and find the answers we need to understand God's word, to live for him better and to draw closer to him. And so we need to be seeking the Lord in the same way that these who are asking that question. Lord, I'm reading your word, and I don't always get it. God, help me to get it. And if we seek the word, or if we seek the Lord and read the word, and we listen to the Holy Spirit, God will help us in his time to understand the things that he desires for us to understand. And Jesus is going to explain to these here because it's good for them to understand what he's talking about. In verse 14, the sower sows the word. Now let me back up a second before we get into it in case you weren't here last week. Jesus gives a parable about a sower. That's somebody who's planting seeds, who's throwing seed out. And he says that the sower, uh, the seeds fall in different places. Some fell along a path and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell along rocky ground, and they, uh, they did not grow up because of the roots. Uh, they didn't have a root system. Uh, some went on good ground, but there were also thorns that grew up, and they choked out the crop that would have otherwise grown up through the ground. But some seed fell on good soil, and it produced 30 times, 60 times, 100 times what was planted. Now, Jesus gives a good, a good story there about gardening, uh, but that's pretty much the extent of the story. Now here he's going through and he's going to break down and he's going to explain to them what each of these elements in, the, in, in this story has to do with things. Now he says the sower sows the words. Now I believe in the initial context here, it's Jesus who can be viewed as the sower. He is the one who is coming and bringing the kingdom of God. He's been preaching. He's been telling people about the kingdom of God. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand or the kingdom of God has come near. And so Jesus, in the immediate context here, is the sower of what? What are the seeds? Well, the seed are the word. That is the word of God. Now, and particularly, most importantly, I believe when we speak of the word here being sown, we're speaking of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the truth of Jesus, that he is the son of God, that he is the Messiah, that he is our savior, that he willingly and humbly suffered and gave his life on a cross for us. He was beaten. He was nailed to a cross so that we could be forgiven. His blood was shed. He was placed in a grave. And three days later, God raised him from the dead. And he has conquered sin, and he has conquered death. He is victorious, and Jesus wants to share that victory with you because you are a sinner, and I'm a sinner, and we need forgiveness of our sins. 
Now that's the gospel message. The kingdom of God has come near. Jesus is our king, and he wants us to be part of his kingdom, so much so that he gave his life so that we could be forgiven and enter into his kingdom. Now that's the word. That's the gospel message. That's what we all need to hear and to accept. And in the immediate context, Jesus is the sower who is sowing the message that the kingdom of God has come. Now I do believe that there's application to go maybe further than the immediate context here because I believe that's what all of us as Christians are called to do now. We are to be sowers of the word. We are to tell people the good news about Jesus Christ. That's what I just told you. Uh, that's what we should do when we leave this place, when we encounter people. Uh, it doesn't mean necessarily that we should stand on the side of the street with a megaphone yelling at people, although if God should lead you to do that, we'll pray about it. And if you feel it is, then by all means do it. Uh, but, but it doesn't necessarily mean, I don't believe, that we always have a Bible in our hand and are always yelling. But there are little opportunities just like we talked about with Operation Christmas Child. Uh, when you're at the checkout and, and you're telling them, well, what are you doing with 2,000 notebooks? Well, let me tell you, there's this ministry where we make these shoe boxes so that children can know that Jesus loves them, that Jesus died for them, that God cares for them, and we want them to know that God loves them and He's providing for them. Bam! You've just shared the truth of the gospel right there by buying 2,000 notebooks at a dirt cheap. Now, those are the kind of opportunities that we have to sow the Word. Now, we sow the gospel message first and foremost because that's the saving message that people need to hear. But we also want to sow all of God's Word because there's lots of great things in God's Word that teach us, that make us, that mold us who we need to be, that show us things that may need to change in our life, that correct us, that encourage us. There are lots of things in God's Word. And when we hear God's Word preached to us, or when we read it, or when we are taught it, uh, we, need to, we need to soak it in. We need to be good soil that's going to take that Word in, that's going to produce great things. That's the point that Jesus is trying to make here through this parable. But sometimes the seed, that is the Word of God, does not fall on good ground. Now, the different types of ground that Jesus talks about uh, would, would, would describe different types of people. Now, let's read a little further in verse 15. These are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word sown in them. Now, the seed that was sown upon the, 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 the path, that is on the road, well, everybody in here knows that if you want to plant a garden, you don't go plant seeds on the road. They're not going to grow. Even if it's a dirt road, they're not going to grow. Why? Because there's traffic that's always going up and down the road. It's just simply not a good place to plant seed. Should seed be in a place like that, the birds are easily going to come get them, or some varmints or some creatures are going to come eat those seeds, and nothing's going to grow there. And Jesus said... When the word is sown along the path, it represents those who hear the word but don't really think anything of it. Immediately, Satan comes and takes away whatever they have heard. They haven't paid any attention to God's word. It's kind of gone in one ear and out the other, and Satan's kind of had their way, and they haven't focused on it or thought about it, not one bit. Now, there may be some in this room who would fall into that category. I hope not. But if we have ears, we need to hear, so we make sure we're not in that category. That we don't just let God's Word pass us by. Now, there are some who just don't hear, they, they hear God's Word, they don't think anything about it, and they go on about their life. They don't pay the gospel message any attention. Now, I would say, with, with much confidence, I believe, that you are not those people. 
because all of you come back here repeatedly. You've been to church before. This is probably not your first time in church. And so you're not disregarding God's Word. You're not those as the Word is just coming in. You're not focusing on it. Hopefully, it appears as though at least that you're probably coming back to hear more. And hopefully, you're not just sitting here every week or anywhere else you may hear God's Word and not soaking it in. And those, the seed is doing no good. It's taken from them. It's not going to grow. It's not going to produce any fruit in their life. It would seem as though that these who are being talked about here are those who are not believers, people who simply hear the Word and go on about their day and don't care anything about it. Now, you've probably all encountered people like that. You probably know people like that. You've tried to teach them the Word. You may have even invited them to church, but they just don't care. They're not seeking. They don't think anything about it. It's foolishness to them, and they hear it, and they go on about their way. Now, some of the ones who heard this parable of Jesus did just that. Not everybody stuck around to hear the answer. It doesn't appear. Some of them went along their way, but some did. Some heard the word, and they wanted to hear more. They wanted it to go deeper. What was heard was not taken away. Instead, they wanted to hear more. And so Jesus goes on to talk about the next group here. In verse 16, And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. But they have no root in themselves. They are short-lived. When pressure or persecution comes because of the word, they immediately stumble. Now, the next group does a little better. They're, they're, they're sown on rocky ground. Now, you, you might can get something kind of to grow on rocky ground, but if you really want something to grow, it needs to be where it has lots of good, rich soil. And it can grow a little bit if there's some soil, but eventually if the ground's full of rocks, it's not going to be able to have a root system that's going to extend deep enough to get the nutrients that it needs to get. And so while the, the, the plant may start and thrive good with the little bit of dirt that's there, eventually there's not enough nutrients in the dirt to make the plant grow in the way it needs to be. Jesus said some who hear the gospel message are like that. They hear the word, and listen at this group, it says that immediately they receive it with joy. Now, this by all accounts appear to be people uh, who, who are very receptive of, of the gospel message, of hearing God's word. They receive it with joy. Now, whether or not this group is Christians, well, you'll have to decide that for yourself. Some would say that this group that's receiving the words are Christians, that they, when they receive it with joy, that what Jesus is saying here is they are accepting what he says. They are accepting his words. They have chosen to follow him. They are indeed saved, uh, and they are his follower, but it doesn't last very long. Why? Because things get tough. It says here that when pressure or persecution comes because of the word, they immediately stumble. Now, as Christians, we face pressure and persecution. It, it may be uh, that we face persecution because... We're doing what Jesus says and, and, and preaching the word to other people and people begin to persecute us. Maybe there's a beating in our future. Maybe there's imprisonment there for it. There are plenty of Christians who experience those things and Jesus says some are like that. They, they receive the word with joy. Everything's going good until times get tough. Maybe that pressure is just from our friends and family. We tell them, look, I'm, I'm a Christian now. I'm following Jesus. I'm serving the Lord. And they begin to mock us and ridicule us. Well, pretty soon, we, we, we don't want to feel like the outcast, and we, we feel that pressure of what the world says is right, uh, because what the world says is right is an ex and is acceptable. 
is not oftentimes what the Bible says is right and acceptable. And so uh, eventually those pressures of the world and the persecution of the world, uh, we say, well, boy, this ain't worth it. I've counted the cost and I'd, I'd rather just give up on my beliefs and give up on Jesus and go back to living the way the world says. And that pressure and persecution causes some to turn from the Lord. Now, it says here at the end that they immediately stumble. Now, if we look at, at, at Luke's uh, parallel of this, uh, some different wording is used, and the word that's used there in the Greek can mean stumble. Sometimes, though, it's translated as fall away. Uh, and so it, it's, it's, it's kind of tough for us to make out exactly who this group is. You could say this group is Christians, and even though the persecution comes and they stumble, it doesn't say they've fallen. And maybe they've just stumbled, and maybe they still are in Christ, and they haven't given up on Christ. You could say, well, this group never really were Christians to start with. The word sounded good, but they never really were followers of Jesus. Or we could view this passage as saying, look, these were genuinely, legitimately followers of Jesus Christ who heard the word, who received the word joyfully, who lived in it for a while, but eventually the tough things of this life, the hard things that they had to face uh, were too tough for them, and they did fall away. Now, those are three options that you can take for this verse, for this second group. Uh, regardless of whether they were unsaved or saved, the point is that they did not stick with Jesus. Now, we don't want to fall into that trap. We want to be those who hear the word, and when we hear it, we receive it with joy, and when we face persecutions and troubles, we face them with joy, knowing that it's a blessing for those of us who are persecuted for the, for the kingdom of God, that it's a good thing that we should rejoice in that, not that we should rejoice should we ever be beaten or in prison and say, God, I've always wanted to be beaten. Thank you for that. But no, we should say, God, thank you that I'm beaten because I'm loving you and I'm serving you and I'm doing your work, and God, it's worth it. I've counted the cost, and I consider it worthy for me to suffer for you because you've suffered for me. Let me love those who are beating me the way that you love those who are beating you you and nailed you to a cross. God, let me be a living example to you. Now, that's what God calls us to. That's what Jesus calls us to in the Scriptures. There are some, however, that turn when the going gets tough. But I don't want you to be those that turn when the going gets tough. I want us to be those who are who, 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 who hear God's Word. We plant it deep within us, and we allow God to work in our life as we continue to seek and we continue to grow in His Word. Verse 18, others are sown among thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the worries of this age, the seduction of wealth, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And so we kind of see this progression that's taking place here. The first group hears, pays the word no attention. The next group hears, it appears to me at least, that they do accept the word and become followers of the Lord, and they fall away. This next group, however, they, they hear the word, and they're growing really good, except the thorns come up. The thorns being the things of the world. Now, it says here that, that the thorns represent the worries of this age. Now, we understand that because we all have worries of this age. There are lots of things in this, in this age that are competing for our attention. They're the thorns in our life. Now, there are probably many of you in this room who are just like me, who desperately want to follow God's Word and be obedient to God's Word, but boy, there's always competition in it. 
There are always things that are popping up that are competing for our attention, that, 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 are, that, are, that are tempting us to, to do things and say things that we shouldn't do. That happens. The, uh, the worries of this age, the things that we worry about, those are the thorns that come in and, and begin to take our attention off of the Lord and begin to put our attention on other things. Another thorn here is the seduction of wealth. Now, wealth is something that we must be careful about. We talked about that in pretty great detail a few weeks ago when we had the Are We There Yet mini-series that we went through. And wealth will definitely tempt us to, uh, to be drawn away from the Lord. Now, it may not be that it's saying here, and I don't believe it is when it talks about wealth, that it's just simply saying uh, that this applies only to those who want to have a big bank account. Uh, well, I have no desire that I have a big bank account. That's not important to me. Uh, but, but any wealth I have, am I using it for, for the Lord or am I using it for myself? Now, that's a tough one right there because while I may not care about having a, a big bank account, well, there are lots of things in this world I do like and some I realize maybe more than I should. So I'm praying, God, help me not to love the things of this world, whether it be technology or whether it be vehicles or whether it be clothes or whatever it may be. You name it. You know the things that you struggle with, should you struggle with anything. We may not care about having a big bank account, but our wealth may allow us to have the things that we want that in turn will also draw us away from the Lord. And that's a result of the wealth that we may obtain and the desires for other things. Now, there are plenty of things that we probably desire in this world, and that's what those thorns are. Anything that's going to take your attention and desire from the Lord and put it on something else, those are the thorns that Jesus is talking about. And I believe as Christians, we must be on our guard because guess what? Those thorns, those weeds, those things that will choke out the Word, they never stop growing. They are always going to be there. They're going to be coming in our life as long as we should live. That may come in the form of some worldly possession. It may come in the form of our attitude, and we may see those weeds coming up. But when we do, we have to cut those weeds down. Just this past week, I had an issue where a weed grew up, and I said, man, that's not what I should have done. I went to the doctor. I was aggravated with the doctor, and I was short with him. I was impatient, and I kind of I had an attitude with him. And that was not right for me to do that. That was a wrong thing for me to do. And that's one of those thorns. So God said, all right, you gotta, you got to deal with that. If, if those thorns continue to grow, and so I'm praying, all right, God, help me to have a better attitude when I go to the doctor or when I have to talk to AT&T on the phone or whatever thing it may be that really gets me angry, those tests come in life. We've been talking about that in Judges. We have these tests that come, and guess what? I failed the test when I was at the doctor. I realized, okay, I want to have a better attitude. I don't want to be that way. I don't want to be short with people. And I had an opportunity where the temptation was there, and I could have not. I could have not been short with the doctor, but I was, and I failed the test. And so I have to try to deal with that. I have to try to pray, God, help me to cut this thorn and this weed that's in my life. Now, that's just an example of my life, a couple of them, but you probably have those things too, those thorns and those weeds. It may be your attitude. It may not. It may be something else. It may be your wealth. It may be your desires. Uh, there are millions of things, I suppose, that could tempt each and every one of us, and those are the things that are going to continue to come back in our lives. If you've ever planted a garden or a flower bed, you know that it is impossible to keep weeds out. They will always come back. 
No matter what you do, no matter how much you work the soil, if you work the soil and you plant it and everything's perfect and you don't ever do a thing to it, guess what? Eventually, the weeds are going to come back. You cannot keep them out. Now tell me if I'm wrong. Now y'all have done lots more flowering and gardening than me, but I believe I'm right in saying that. So what do you have to do? If you plant a garden or you plant a flower bed, you just have to, as soon as you see the weeds, you have to pull them out. Because if you wait and wait and wait, guess what? They're going to be harder to pull out. You're going to have to work twice as hard. Why? Because they've rooted into the ground. So the best thing to do is as soon as we see the weeds in our gardens and in our flower beds is to remove the weeds. And guess what? The same is true in our spiritual life. Now we've got to work at it. If we want to seek the Lord and serve Him, we've got to be in the Word. We've got to stay in the Word. And when things of the world come and they begin to grow, if we don't pull them out, guess what's going to happen? Something's going to have to give in our life. And you know what gives in our life when the world comes in? It's our relationship with the Lord. We don't spend time in the Word. We don't spend time seeking Him. We don't listen to Him when He does reveal things to us because we don't want to hear it because we're loving our sin too much. And eventually, those things begin to grow and begin to grow and begin to grow and begin to grow until, boy, it's tough. It's tough to get them out. They've taken deep root. You know what's easy, though? Is as soon as we say those things, say, God, all right, I see this thing coming. I see what your Word says. Now I want to cut this thing out of my life. I want to rip it out. I want to pull it out. I don't want to let it take root. And that's what Jesus is saying we need to do. We don't need to let the thorns and the weeds and the things of the world come in and overtake us and choke out the Word. We need to choke out the world by the Word. We've got to be in the Word. If we, want to, if we want to live by the Word, you've got to be in the Word. You've got to read the Word. You've got to study the Word. You've got to pray over the Word. Jesus is saying it's the Word that's important here. That's what's being sown in us. And so when we come to Jesus, that's not the end. Oh, I've heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. I accepted Him. Praise the Lord. Great. That's great that we've become part of the kingdom of God. But that's not the end of the kingdom of God. Once we accept Jesus Christ, we need to continue to be in the Word. Or else, if we're not... If we continue to be in the world instead of the Word, guess what's going to grow in our life? The world is going to grow in our life. If we decide that we want to be in the Word more than the world, guess what's going to grow in our life? The Word is going to grow in our life. And God will be able to use what's in us, what we've taken in, what we've planted in our heart, the seeds of His Word, and He will be able to grow something beautiful out of us. If we take in the world, guess what's going to grow out of us? Things of the world, and we will look like the world. And as Christians, we should not look like the world. We should look completely opposite of the world. It says here at the end of the passage that it becomes unfruitful. Uh, those who are planted among the thorns become unfruitful. Now, it doesn't use the same language uh, that the previous verse said, uh, that they stumble or that they fall away. So it would appear, at least to me, that these that are being talked about are probably believers, and they haven't given up or denied Jesus and said, I'm done with Jesus and lost faith in Him. No, they are people who have genuinely heard the Word and have come to Jesus, but they are not in good relationship with Him because they are unfruitful. Now, that's what the Scripture tells us, that God wants us to be fruitful. Now, as Christians, this may be one that, may, that we really need to focus on because there are probably many people in this room that really love the Lord, and you are just like me. There are all these things of the world that are always coming in trying to choke out the Word. But we don't want to be those who are unfruitful. We want to be those who examine our life and be like fruit inspectors at the grocery store. When you go to the grocery store, hopefully, well, not always, but pretend like this is true, when you go to the grocery store, you always see good fruit out there. Why? 
because there's a fruit inspector. Now, there's people in the field, and when they were picking it, they didn't pick the bad, or they picked them and threw them aside. Then they go before some other people who are boxing them up. Well, when they see some bads that made it slip through the cracks, they throw them out. Then they get put on a truck and sent to a grocery store, and the one in the grocery store says, here's a few more bad ones that got missed through that last uh, batch, and they put out only the good fruit. They inspect, they look at, they say, oh, that's rotten, that's soft, that's not the way it should be, that don't belong here, this, kind of, this is the wrong thing, this, is, this needs to go over here. And that's what we have to do spiritually. We have to be fruit inspectors. We look at the fruit that's in our life. And we may say, well, this is a bad fruit. That's a bad fruit. That fruit shouldn't be there. And we need to throw those fruit out. Now, thank the Lord, the Bible gives us a a good definition. He tells us exactly what the fruit of the Spirit is. And so we get an idea of what those fruits are. You can read about that in Galatians. We won't go over them today. But look, love and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control, those are some of the fruits of the Spirit. Those are the things that should be in our life. But sometimes we have hate. And we have no self-control. And we don't, we don't have those things. We have just the opposite of those things. We don't have patience. We have, a, we have a short fuse. Well, when we see, well, that shouldn't be there, that shouldn't be there, we need to pray and say, God, help me to get these things out of my life that shouldn't be there so that we can take out the bad, the thorns, the bad fruit, and we can produce good fruit. Jesus wants us to be fruitful for him. He says in verse 20, But the ones sown on good ground are those who hear the word, welcome it and produce a crop 30, 60, and 100 times what was sown. Now, that's exactly what Jesus desires for us to do. He desires for us to be those who, when we hear the Word, whether it be through our own reading, whether it be when we come to a church service, whether it be in Sunday school, whether it be the man or woman we hear on the radio or the book we've picked up at the bookstore, whenever God's Word is is rightfully shared with us and we see God's Word, then we need to take that word, we need to tuck it in us, and we need to grow in that word, that it produces a crop, that we become fruitful, that we become the fruitful men and women that Jesus wants us to be. Now, in Matthew chapter 21, if you want to turn there, you can. We'll close with this. Matthew chapter 21, verse 42. Matthew chapter 21, verse 42. Jesus is giving another parable here. We won't go through the whole parable for time's sake, but if you want to read it, you can, you can go back up a few verses and you can read that. That starts in verse 33. But in Matthew chapter 21, uh, in verse 42, before this, he's giving a parable of a vineyard, vineyard owner. And, and the people who work the vineyard are not, are not, are not doing a good job. And so uh, it's taken away from them and given to someone who will do a good job. Why? Because... They're not producing fruit in the way that they are supposed to. And Matthew chapter 21, or excuse me, yeah, Matthew 21, verse 42, Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the Scriptures, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This came from the Lord and is wonderful in our eyes. Now, Jesus is saying here that He is the cornerstone that everything is to be built on. Now, the Jewish people, the people of Israel, had rejected Jesus for the most part. Now, there were some who didn't. There were some who were looking forward to the Messiah. But the Jewish nation kind of as a whole had really rejected Jesus. They had rejected the one thing that they needed to be built on, which is Jesus Christ. They had rejected that. He's saying that the vineyard was taken away from this group because they did not produce a harvest in the way that they should. The people of God, the people of Israel, the Jewish people, should have 
been about God's work. They should have been the ones at the forefront of producing fruit and getting the gospel message out and saying, here's the Messiah. The Messiah has come. Come hear what he has to say. Enter into his kingdom. The time is here. That's what they should have been saying. But the prophets had come to them. All of God's word had, had been spoken to them. And they rejected everybody that God had sent. And now the vineyard owner sends Jesus, that is God, sends his son uh, to, to the vineyard. And they still reject the son. There's no one else that can be sent. And Jesus says, you've rejected the most important piece. You've rejected me, the Messiah. You've rejected the cornerstone. So Jesus says in verse 43... Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a nation producing fruit. Isn't that something? That's what Jesus wanted his people to do. He wanted his people, the Jewish people that is, to produce fruit. And many of them did not. So he says, what am I going to do? I'm going to give it to a nation that will produce fruit. He's going to give it to you and me. He's going to give it to all of us who will come to him. That's what Jesus wants us to do, is be those who will produce fruit. The kingdom of God will be taken from the ones who don't and given to the ones who do. Now, if we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have entered into the kingdom of God. And if we are in the kingdom of God, Jesus says... The ones in the kingdom of God are the ones who should be producing fruit. And that's what we are supposed to be doing. God wants us to be fruitful in our life. And the way that we love people and the way that we serve Him and our obedience to Him. He wants us to be fruitful for Him. And we have to look at ourselves and say, okay, am I being fruitful? He who has an ear, Jesus says at the end of the parable, let him hear. When we hear God's word, preach to us or talk to us or we read it, we need to, if we've got ears and eyes and we've seen it and we've heard it, then we need to listen to what we have seen and heard. That's what Jesus wants us to do. Now today, if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, if you're part of the kingdom and you're not producing fruit, then you need to pray, God, help me to see these areas where I'm struggling, where I'm stumbling, and help me to produce fruit for you. Help me to be somebody that people look at me and say, boy, he or she he or she is, there's something different about them. There's something that's about them. There's a love about them. There's a patience about them. There's a self-control about them. There's a gentleness about them. And do you know where that comes from? It comes from the Lord because those are the fruits that are produced when we are in the Word and the Word is working in our life. Perhaps there are some of you in this, in this room today, though, that are part of that first, first couple of groups. Maybe you've heard the Word lots of times and it just kind of went in one ear and out the other. Maybe you heard the word and you said, boy, I, I want to follow the Lord. And maybe it was tough and you were worried about people, were, were, what they were going to think or what was going to happen. And maybe today you realize, you know what? Serving Jesus is worth the cost. I've counted the cost and Jesus is worthy of me serving him because he has served me by dying humbly on a cross. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ today, then I want you to do so because that's what Jesus wants you to do. He desires for you to come to Him, to seek Him, to hear that Word, to hear His Word, to have that seed in your heart so that He can grow in you and push out all those other things to forgive you of your sins, to help you overcome your temptations. That's what Jesus desires to do for you today. And if you're here today and you're in Him, maybe you say, boy, there's thorns of the world and they're choking out the Word. Well, then give them to the Lord and say, God, help me to do some pruning. 
Help me to prune these weeds and these thorns out of my life, to pull them out, to cut them out, to get rid of them. And the way we do that is by being in the Word, standing firm on the Word. And when we do that, we produce the fruit. And that's what Jesus wants us to do. And we grow 30, 60, and 100 times. That's the people we need to strive to be. Those who follow the Lord and those who produce much fruit for Him. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning. We thank you for these words. And I pray, God, that you would help us to be fruit inspectors today. God, maybe there are some in this room and they're, they're inspecting their fruit. And God, they don't see nothing but bad fruit. And God, if they see that today, praise the Lord. I pray that they would see that and that they would realize that there's a way that they can produce good fruit, dear Lord. And that's through Jesus Christ. God, I pray that if there's any that have ever heard the word and it, it just kind of, Satan took it away because they didn't, they didn't pay any attention to it. God, I pray today that they pay attention to it. God, maybe there are some that are on the verge of wanting to give up and turn from you because of hard times that have come. God, I pray that they don't do that. I pray they don't stumble. I pray they don't fall away, dear Lord. I pray that they would hold firm to you, God. God, maybe there are some in this room that, God, the thorns are there. The things of the world are there, God. I get it. I pray that you help us to overcome those things. God, help us to love you more than the world. God, I know that I sometimes maybe I love the world too much. And God, I pray that you help me not to do that. Help me to get, get, get over that, dear Lord. And I pray that if there are any others that may struggle in the same way, God, that you just will grab a hold of us, that we would be in your word more, that we would meditate on that, that that would be what grows in us, dear Lord, and not our desires to think about and want the things of the world. And God, I pray that you would help us to be a, a, a group of followers to you that produce much fruit. I pray that you help us to produce fruit in our own lives in the way that we love and take care of other people and interact with other people and, and, and how we show them your love, dear Lord. God, I pray that that would be the, the case in this church, dear Lord. I see the fruit that's being produced here. God, I see the love in this congregation and I see the, the, the ministries and, and how you're making them grow, dear Lord. And that's because of you, dear Lord. That's a, a beautiful fruit. And we thank you for producing that fruit. And God, we don't have anything to do with that. To you be the glory for that and help us to be obedient, faithful servants so that we can have fruit in our lives and we can continue to produce fruit as a church. And God, if there's one that's never put their faith in Jesus Christ today, God, I pray that they would do so. I pray that they would see their sin. I pray that they would come to Jesus knowing that he can forgive their sin. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.